From member-supported Colorado Public Radio, this is Since Columbine. I'm Nathaniel Miner. Two friends are shopping for groceries in Centennial, Colorado. We're just south of Denver. They wander the halls, picking up salad dressing and potatoes. The only thing I have left that I really need is tissue. Okay. And actually, remind me, I don't have that on here, but I need to. Okay. These two have been shopping together for years. And they're not roommates. They're survivors of mass shootings. Heather Martin of Columbine High School in 1999 and Sherry Lawson of Washington Navy Yard in 2013. And for both, being in a crowded grocery store can trigger memories of past trauma. Sherry says she first experienced it a month after the Navy Yard shooting. And I saw the brand of Greek yogurt I was going to be eating that morning for breakfast, and I just fell apart in the middle of the grocery store. My friend was like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know, but I got to get out of here. For Heather, just being around a lot of people is problematic. Like lots of people and feeling like I was in people's way, like being slow and because I have to be very methodical. Shopping together lessens the anxiety of being in a crowded place that's enclosed, where the women can't see over the shelves when they shop. Heather and Sherry met each other through a support group for shooting survivors. And before they lived in the same city, they'd actually call each other while they shopped because they never knew when something would come up and they didn't want to be alone if it did. So I gotta be honest, this doesn't look different from like a normal trip to the grocery store. It's not, I'm sorry. The cart is filling up. I take out my camera. Sherry tells me about how her anxiety attacks tend to start. They always start in my stomach with like, um, I feel nauseated. And You're not feeling that now, are you? A little bit. Really? Yeah, a little anxiety. So it doesn't, it doesn't always manifest. Should I go? No, 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 you're oh, okay. I start to get nervous. Sherry says, no, don't worry about it. But then she tells me this story. One of the first times I went back to Navy Yard um, to have to go to a meeting and I was all by myself and there were these reporters in front, I think it was like a week or so after, they were still set up. Um, and I saw them and I went in and I just threw up. I didn't realize that that was what it was, was a panic attack. And it's in that moment that I realize how easy it is for people who haven't lived through a mass shooting, and that's most of us, to dredge up past trauma without trying. Me with my camera the grocery store worker who shelved that container of yogurt. And then Sherry's anxiety ramps up on the spot, right in front of me. So what happens is my fingers will turn white and you'll like see the blood leaving them. So like right now it's just happening with this poopy. And it's stress related because I'm not cold. It's clear, I'm the problem. So I put my camera away and turn off the recorder. Yeah, like I can... Sherry and Heather have both gotten professional help, but they say it's the help they've given each other, like going to the grocery store together, that's made a really big difference in their lives. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode. This is Since Columbine, a podcast that explores how one shooting 20 years ago changed America. And in this fourth episode, how Columbine High School alumni like Heather Martin have built a family of survivors working together to relearn how to live. First, Heather's Columbine story. She was two days away from her 18th birthday on April 20th, 1999. 
Heather was in a choir class when the shooting started. The students and teacher barricaded themselves in the room. There were 60 of them in all. And the SWAT team didn't get to them for three hours. And by then, the shooting was over. Heather left the room and went home. The first feelings I really remember feeling are anger. And I was angry at everyone trying to intrude on something that I had been through. She graduated a few weeks later, and other than a quick trip to pick up her backpack, didn't go into the school again for years. She tried to move on quickly. You know, I was 18, so what do you do? You move out. Uh, I moved out just into an apartment, went to a local community college, and struggled a lot being in an environment where nobody knew what I had been through. College was hard. Everyone around her was talking about Columbine, and Heather wanted to do anything but that. She told an English professor she couldn't write a paper on school violence. The response I got was just kind of like, well, that's the assignment, you have to do the paper, you're going to fail the class. Things devolved from there. Eventually, I developed an eating disorder. I ended up dropping out of college, dabbled in some drugs. It was nothing serious and thankfully nothing uh, addictive, but it was definitely a red flag for me that something that I was traumatized, that I wasn't right. As she tried to put her life back together, Heather avoided Columbine as much as possible. She'd leave town every April around the anniversary, but even that didn't work sometimes. You know, I remember like meeting some guy at a party and we're like talking and then, you know, at like midnight or whatever, I just start crying and he's like, oh my God, this girl's crazy. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's Columbine. As years passed, she'd have small pangs of regret when she missed something major, like the fifth anniversary. And then in 2009, the 10th anniversary, a big event was planned. Heather decided it was time. She had to go back to Columbine. And I was really scared. Um, I thought that I would be a wreck, and I was really anxious. Something unexpected happened at the school. Walking through the hallways with her younger sister and other friends, it was kind of fun. We kind of just took a bunch of like funny photos in front of like the attendance office. Like, oh, look, this is where the mom used to call in to ditch. She saw people she hadn't seen in a long time. It was less of a memorial and more of a reunion. And upstairs, Frank DeAngelis was getting ready to say a few words. He was the principal both when the shooting happened and at the 10th anniversary. It was more of a somber type of speech, talking about, you know, I'm so sorry you had to go through this and we'll never forget the kids that lost their lives. He got ready to walk downstairs. Hundreds of people were waiting for him. They're all down in the commons area, and I looked through the window. And he saw us all hugging each other. I see these kids laughing. I see them with their husbands. People are bringing their kids. I literally changed the whole speech I was going to give to them. I realized they were in a different place, and it was healing, and it was probably one of the most important moments we had. And just was like, you know what? This is a time of, of joy for us to be all back together. This visit, it was a turning point for Heather. Seeing all the people around her that day, it made her realize she wasn't alone. She didn't have to explain her past to anyone there. Heather went back to college and got her teaching license. Then, in the summer of 2012, another mass shooting happened in the Denver area. 315 and 
314 for a shooting at Century Theaters. 14. Breaking story out of Aurora, Colorado this morning. A Twelve people were killed at that movie theater just a half an hour from Columbine High School. When that happened, we really wanted to reach out to that community so they knew that they weren't alone. Heather and other Columbine survivors started the Rebels Project. It's a nonprofit named after their high school mascot. She and other Columbine alumni didn't want the Aurora survivors to go through the same thing they did. And by that point, Heather felt like she was in a place where she could offer some help. More than a year later, in September 2013, Sherry Lawson was at work early on a Monday morning. She was about to turn 40 and was a contractor for the Department of Defense at the Washington Navy Yard. It's a massive campus that employs some 15,000 workers. A little after 8 o'clock, the shooting started. Sherry bolted out of there. We ended up scaling the 8- to 10-foot brick wall that surrounds the Navy Yard and running up to safety because the shooter was still actively shooting behind us. A dozen people were killed that day. And this morning, that all-too-familiar sight, the White House flag at half-staff for the victims. Sherry made it home safe. And then just a few days later, she had to go pick up her work laptop. She took the bus over. Her stop came and went. I couldn't get off the bus in front of the yard, and I had to stay on for a couple blocks and then just kind of had an emotional meltdown in the middle of the sidewalk. Sherry wasn't physically wounded, but emotionally and mentally, she was a wreck. She felt like her friends, relatives, and coworkers weren't giving her the support she needed. To their eyes, she looked fine. Because if I had a cast on or if I was on crutches, people would be, you know, a little gentler around me. But there's no way to do that when you have this injury that people can't see. At her lowest, Sherry contemplated suicide. You know, I wasn't sleeping. I didn't have a social life anymore. I, my relationships were falling apart. I was physically falling apart. And I was like, if this is the way it has to be, I don't want it. She had panic attacks nearly every day. She ended up in the hospital with an irregular heartbeat. She was feeling pressure from her employer at Navy Yard to keep working. Sherry couldn't handle it all. And so one night at 3 a.m., I did this frantic Google search um, looking for some type of support system because I really just didn't feel supported. She found the Rebels Project, Heather's group, and they started emailing each other. After six months, Sherry came to Colorado for a survivor's event. People from Newtown and Aurora were there. You didn't have to really talk about how you felt um, or what you've been through. I could just be in that room and be wherever I was. And it was very um, almost liberating for me. Sherry and Heather went to dinner together the next night. I remember we went to this Thai restaurant. And then afterwards, we sat in Heather's car and listened to Bruce Springsteen for like three hours and just talked. Heather says one album was particularly meaningful, The Rising. It came out after 9-11 and is full of stories of trauma and grief and recovery. They have a favorite song. Uh, My City of Ruins. I have a hard time listening to it without choking up. You know, it starts so kind of low and somber. Yeah, and you feel that emotion. My City of Ruins. It's, you know, this kind of sound of a choir behind him. I was in choir. I loved music. I loved to sing. And just that that energy that comes from that and the words, like combined with the rising up. It is usually the end of that song that gets me. After the shooting, hearing that rise up was motivating to me, but also um, scary and emotional. 
And it reminds me, you've been through this thing, but life still goes on and you can rise up. It's not going to be the same, but good things can still happen. And definitely positive things have happened since. And so Sherry made this decision to go where she felt like she had support, to Colorado. You couldn't have paid me a million dollars 10 years ago to convince me that I'd ever move here. Yeah, this is the backwater, right? <laughs> but she got over that. She likes that the people here are more laid back than out east. Um, and I legitimately have a family here. Like, I basically have made myself a member of Heather's family. And <laughs> see our family Christmas photo. <laughs> These days, Heather and Sherry spend time traveling across the country together to communities affected by shootings. They went places we've all heard about, like Orlando and Parkland, and places you probably haven't, like Cedarville Rancheria, a native community in remote Northern California. We thought we were going to go out there and do like a presentation, like Heather had her PowerPoint together and everything. And we get there and we ditch the PowerPoint and basically just have a support group meeting. Because what they need, Sherry says, is someone who understands what they're feeling. We experienced it in Florida when we met with one of the first responders from the Pulse shooting. And you could just tell that he was able to just tell us things that he hadn't been able to share with other people. Mental health care is hugely important for shooting survivors. After the Parkland, Florida shooting in 2018, students had access to counselors and therapy dogs. But two student survivors died by suicide just last month. The mother of one of the students says that her daughter struggled with survivor's guilt, but that she'd never asked for help. And it's those kinds of people that Heather is trying to reach. Just having these conversations is an emotional and draining task. Heather says she has to take breaks and focus on self-care, but she says it's something not many other people can do. If I can provide that system of support earlier in the recovery, just to make that process easier. Um, It's just not anything that I had, and I want to offer it to others. She gets something out of it, too. It forces her to think about her own recovery. And that's top of mind right now, as Heather and Sherry plan events for the Columbine anniversary. I'm trekking through. I'm, you know, practicing a lot of self-care on my end, but this one's really heavy. Because this one is a big round number, 20 years. Sherry says it's her job to step in and help carry the load. She knows that she'll need help herself in the fall when her own anniversary comes around. And Heather says she'll be there, ready to give it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Since Columbine. Look for another one early next week. And remember, CPR members make this all possible. So if you're already a member, thank you. If you're not, you can make a contribution anytime at CPR.org. Thanks. This episode of Since Columbine was reported by Nathaniel Minor. It was edited by Rachel Esterbrook with help from Kevin Dale. John Pinnell produced and mixed the episode. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Since Columbine is a production of Colorado Public Radio.